0: faithful listener welcome to yet another episode of soccer not football we're glad to have you back uh the season is near the finish line we are going to be about two weeks away from all the big leagues finishing up um all the cup finals are finishing up and most importantly we have the champions league final coming soon may 29th mark your calendars because we have our two finalists after a whole season of trials and tribulations. We finally have our last two finalists and turns out it's going to be an all English final. Yes, Manchester city and Chelsea will be playing against each other. um, For basically European glory at this point. And, Uh, The way that both teams uh, got there in the semifinals was was a little different. um, Would you say, Daniel?
1: Uh, Different, but also kind of the same. I feel like both of those teams were deserving winners in their ties. Both of those teams definitely took the game to uh, their respective opponents. But uh, I feel Chelsea were the more wasteful of the two teams. I feel like, especially in that second leg against Real Madrid, in which they did win 2-0, that they could have maybe won 4-0 or 5-0. Uh, they just had a bunch of chances that they couldn't quite put away. Uh, Havertz had a couple chipped uh, over Courtois that he couldn't quite finish, and there were a couple other chances in that game. Hulisic had a, a nice chance at the end of the game um, that he put wide, but he was able to get an assist in that game. The, uh, the tie-clinching assist put Chelsea up 3-1, which pretty much buried Real in that game, um, but yeah, uh, we should have an exciting final. Both of these teams are are kind of hitting their stride at the right moment. I mean, Man City's hit their stride back in February, but they've showed their uh, their prowess throughout the entire season. And Chelsea are are flying high right now. How do you feel as a, a supporter of Chelsea Football Club? How are you feeling about this um, Champions League final?
0: It's it's very great. Um, you know, um, showing the potential that the team had um, for you know, to begin the season with all these uh, new transfers coming in, and um, it's a nice mix of experience and youth. Um, that's really you know getting people invested, and um, obviously to Tuchel, um who you know is really getting the best out of his squad despite you know some glaring you know um, deficiencies. And you know, not to say that nothing has been wrapped up yet, nothing's been guaranteed yet. Um, there's still, you know, basically, you know, have four upcoming cup, basically cup finals to focus on. Um, not only just the FA Cup and the Champions League final, but also, you know, in the race to get top four if we don't happen to get, if we don't happen to win uh, the Champions League final. And um it's gonna be tough. Um, you know, um City is a opponent that we are gonna be we are familiar with. And they are familiar with us. And, you know, uh, we can't rest on our know, recent successes um, because everything changes in the cup final.
1: I think Chelsea came out and, and dominated Real Madrid in that second game. They really took the game to Real and made them look old. They made that midfield of Modric, Sproats, and Casemiro look just a half a step slower, a step slower. Where We've been so used to seeing them these last six, seven, eight years just – be able to turn it on for those Champions League games. Just just find that final pass, just find that final tackle. But they weren't quite able to find it this past game against Chelsea. Um, when Christian Pulisic came into the game, that was super exciting. He had an electric performance off the bench, uh, maybe got like 24, 25 minutes off the bench, but he came into the game and immediately was driving the ball forward, Was was coming back to get the ball and advance it down the field and, really put Chelsea into some dangerous spots and his tie clinching assist was good patience on the ball. He was able to, to find the wide open Mason Mount who was able to just tap it by Courtois. And it's something that we've never seen from an American, Mm -hmm. uh, especially at that level. That's why I ranked him second in my all time USMNT players. And I think he, he proved me why because his, his ceiling is, being a really good player on a Champions League semifinal, now finalist
0: team. If he wins the Champions League, then definitely will be up second. He still needs to prove something in the, in the um, international level, you know, maybe win the Gold Cup or something to add to his hardware. But definitely, I would say definitely second if he happens to win the Champions League. Um and we also have to get credit for Zach Steffen, who is also a Champions League finalist as well. He probably won't be playing in the final. Um, that's going to be Everson's spot. But, you know, um, he's the one who's been preparing Everson to play and um, has been gaining some playing time um, recently. Um, so every part of, you know, every, the city's success is also his success as, as well. And, you um, for real, you know, they're always a step behind, but I can really say the same thing for uh PSG. Um uh, they cannot get anything going that second that second leg. Um Mbappe was out, they could not play him. He got hurt in the previous game and did not look he was in any condition to play because if he was, they would have had him out there.
1: I think uh watching these two oil giants is there are good opposites of each other of the way that the management has built the clubs like man city. You look at man city, maybe they don't have that superstar on their team. They don't have like that one or two Neymar and Mbappe on their team, but their roster is just so loaded. They have like 20, 25 guys who are just really good at different things in the game. They have some good defenders, some good ball winners, definitely some good attacking players who can drive the ball forward. Um, They have good wing backs, which PSG dearly missed in this game. Their their right and left backs were nowhere to the class of this game. And that's why PSG are out of this competition, because most of their high price signings are in the attacking half. That's where they chose to spend their money. And it's been successful for them. They made the final last year, made a semifinal this year. They've been dominating France the last seven, eight, nine years. Uh, Maybe not this year. They might not win it this year, but – they spend the money on the big players instead of maybe spending a little less on the big players and, and spending the money on, on the squad depth. Like if you look at that, that Man City game that they played against Chelsea on the weekend, they played a heavily rotated team. They've rotated like nine or 10 guys and they rotated guys like Sterling and Nathan Ake and Fernandinho and just like all these guys who are clutch and, and really good. And those are their backups or their, their second choice team. And you, you're just like, these guys would start on 90% of the teams in the world. Yeah. It's crazy because like, it's an you interesting know, dichotomy between those, those two really rich kind of, kind of new blood clubs.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because like, you know, a couple of seasons ago, they were like regular starters. And now, you know, some other player has like more or less like taken their spot. You know, you can kind of see that with a now, that's why he's leaving. And you know, City really has like a more of a committee like feel to it. And it's definitely been effective. I think it's more of a, my of like, you know, um, Peps coaching that, you know, you could really just put like interchangeable, you know, not not to say interchangeable, but they have a system that truly really works that, you know, any player can really drive and, you know, get hot into it. And then one in the sudden cool opt in, one can just jump in um and that really makes them a dangerous uh a dangerous opponent um for Chelsea and I will have to say that Man City are the favorites at the moment
1: I mean yeah you definitely have to say they are the favorite just given the league table this year given the fact that they haven't lost a game in the Champions League at any stage of the competition so they're definitely the favorite but if you're counting out Chelsea already that's that's very silly to do so um, only for the simple fact that they've played twice in the last month and Chelsea have won both those games. Uh, granted, both of those games have kind of been with rotated teams, kind of the, the second squad, like I said, but still, that, that gives Chelsea a little bit of a, a psychological advantage that they know they can beat these guys. They can know they can play with anyone. And in a one-leg tie, if you make a bad mistake or the goalie messes up, then then the game can
0: shift on its head. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and we will see um, May 29th. City, uh, you're right, City have lost those last two times in the FA Cup semifinal and um, this previous weekend's game. Could City, could Chelsea do three in a row or would um, City win where, where it matters? And it will be really exciting to see. And then just moving on to another... European final. We got the Europa League final. We have Manchester United. Um, didn't quite hold off uh, Roma, um, but still had a nice enough cushion to advance to the final. And then Arsenal needed a goal to beat uh, their, their former coach and his team, Villarreal. Just one goal, just one goal, and they cannot get it done it was a serious tie and Arsenal are out of the European league and possibly out of Europe. Yeah, I think
1: Arteta is definitely getting, he's flying under the radar right now. I feel like there should be a little bit more pressure on him just because of how mediocre Arsenal have been this year. They've been, they've been much better the second half of the season than they were the first half, but the first half of the season, they were just despicable. They were garbage. They were almost in the relegation zone. People were talking about them being relegated. I don't know how seriously people were taking that, but they were in like 15, 16th place and he is a young manager, so you got to give him time to grow, but I don't know if Arsenal is the the place where you want your manager to to go through those growing pains. They're, uh, they're supposed to be a big six club in the Premier League and they're nowhere close to top six right now. They're not even going to make Europa League. So I think he is definitely not getting pressure from the fans that I was expecting. I think that's partly due to there not being fans in the stands. I think there would definitely be more fans being vocal. You know, we know about the Wenger out brigade that that spurred up six or seven years ago. I think there would be another portion portion of the Arsenal crowd that would Maybe be that for Arteta,
0: or even you know what happened to Emery, who you know I feel I'm thinking he's feeling pretty pretty good right now. He beat the team that um that really you know he had a tough t- tough go of it, and at least he was able to get them to a Europa League final. And yeah, this you know Arsenal's in a, at a crossroads right now, you know. Because we don't know if we can see any improvement with Arsenal next season, you know? And if this continues, then we can't call them a big six team or a top club. A top club doesn't consistently miss out on Champions League football. A top club doesn't isn't mirrored in mid-table for most of the season. You know, because that's what an actual mid-table club does. You know, they're just, they're falling deeper into, you know, just being a regular ass primary league club, you know, up to like a West Ham or a, a, a Averton or, you know, and no, and no disrespect, no disrespect to those teams. But, you know, they're, that is not up to the standard that, Arsenal's history has demanded of them and his reputation has demanded of them.
1: And we still should give some credit to Villarreal. They're, they're a team full of savvy veterans who know how to get the job done. And Emery gets a bad rap because his, his time at PSG had the, the worst comeback or the biggest comeback ever against them. And his time at Arsenal was mediocre compared to Wenger. So He's not quite the the top top manager, but he's a really good manager. He's won Europa League a bunch of times with Sevilla in the past, so he knows how to get things done in Europe. And if you're counting this as a Manchester United Europa League win already, I think you're you're way ahead of yourself. You definitely have to to almost have the same uh, thought process as the Champions League final. That yeah, United are probably the favorites, but Villarreal have way more than a, just a puncher's chance to to be champions.
0: Yeah, exciting um, matchup coming as well, and you know the opportunity for Ole to get over that hump and finally have some silverware to you know add to his resume. Um, We'll see if he will be able. This will be his first final, so we'll see. You know if he'll be able to you know get the job done. If not, then definitely more pressure on him as well.
1: We want to move on to to talk about some league football talk about yes, some of the countries
0: it. around Europe we yeah. got a lot of uh we got a lot of games to cover a lot of information to cover let's start off with uh Italy you know congrats to Inter Milan they wrapped up the scudetto um last weekend um broke Juventus's reign um a pretty impressive reign, oh, um nine straight titles, and wasn't able to make it to ten. Um, and credit to uh, Inter for um, you know roaring back um, in the second half of the season, um, overtaking AC Milan, and just just being dominant. You know Lukaku, um, Martinez, and obviously uh, uh a Conte for you know. Just really coaching a well-oiled team, and definitely deserves um, all the credit. The whole team deserves, you know, deserves this win.
1: Yeah, a lot of the Manchester United rejects were were very key for Inter winning this title. Uh, Sanchez, Lukaku, uh, even Ashley Young played a pretty significant role for this Inter team. And it's kind of amazing that they finished last in their Champions League group. Mm-hmm. It kind of shows the duality of their season. They were kind of struggling at the beginning of the season and they failed to even make Europa League out of their Champions League group and ended up winning the title. Once they overtook AC Milan and I think it was late January, early February, they never gave up the the top spot in, in Italy. And now they have their first Scudetto in 10 years.
0: Yeah, Definitely the Champions League exit was more was we could call that a blessing in disguise. To be honest you know it's because they had time to actually focus on Syria and other you know um, cup competitions but you know they went all in and it clearly paid off yeah
1: uh, we'll look at the rest of the serial table now it's it's up tight and close and as it stands right now Uve are not in a champions league spot they do not control their own destiny for, for finishing top four, even if they win their, their next two games, they are not guaranteed to place in next year's Champions League. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with Cristiano Ronaldo. But right now the table stands with uh, Atalanta in second with 75 points. They're tied with Milan, who also has 75 points. Napoli's got 73 points in fourth and Juve's in fifth with 72 points. So they can uh, leapfrog Napoli if, only if Napoli draws or loses. So that's a little better. They don't have to hope for a team to lose two games, but they got to win their two games and then hope they get lucky uh, somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I think Juve will get lucky. Um, AC Milan has been really great. Um, has been finishing the season off strong. Um, they just smacked Torino 0-7, to seven, and they play – Um, They have one more game before they play Adelanta in the final game of the season. Uh, I think, you know, they're going to keep this streak going and um, uh, take out Adelante out. Um, It all depends on goal difference. And um, it's looking like – and actually, looking at the goal difference, Juventus hasn't been able to get the goals they needed. So – um, it might be, uh, might not be enough for them. Um, Napoli, um, they have a more, um, they have more doable uh, schedule. They only have Fiorentina and uh, Verona. Um, if they can get past Fiorentina, then um, you can probably wrap it up um, for them. So. Juventus is definitely going to be, you know, watching closely those two games. And then, you know, just thinking about what does happen if they don't make champions leave. I don't see Ronaldo staying. I see a a complete rebuild. And honestly, one that has been coming, one that has been a long time coming.
1: Yeah. Three weeks ago, Juve was one of the leading teams trying to, to join the super league. And now they might not even make champions league next season. So that would be a little bit of poetic justice. Um, even though I would be sad for Weston McKinney, of course you want to see him in the champions league, but even if he's just playing Europa league, that's not the worst news ever. It's not, you no know, hell's frozen over. Um, I just want to shout out my boys, Genoa yesterday. They secured safety in Syria. So let's go mediocrity. They're not going to be sent down. relegated. So It's good.
0: Hey, the equivalent of turning in an eleven fifty nine assignment, you know.
1: Yep. Hey, better late than never. The last two years they had wait till the final day to secure safety. So, knowing that there's two games left, we can we can breathe a little bit easier.
0: And then other Italy news: Mourinho um, found a job. Um, he's going to be coach of Roma, manager of Roma uh, for the next season. Um, interesting. I did not expect him to get a job that quickly. And Roma, you know, I wasn't expecting Roma. Um, it could be an opportunity for him to, you know, um, reinvent himself. Um, I'll have too many, you know, I'm taking this with, with an open mind, you know, like maybe this, he might be able to turn around or or not, you know, we shall
1: see. I think this is a, a good risk from Roma because right now they're, they had a pretty bad season by their standards. They're seventh. Um, they're used to finishing top four. If not four, they're definitely like the fifth best team in Italy. And this year they've just been way too inconsistent. They haven't got nearly enough like production out of their midfield. And a change was needed for them. And I think Mourinho is the type of manager to come in there and, and lead to some more stability and be able to, to get more – than the sum of their parts, because I think stability. Okay, I I know it it sounds counterintuitive, but I think he fits better in Italy. Just like like with the culture and with the media, they're not as antic antagonistic with him um, as I feel like the English media is. I feel like the English media is just antagonistic with everybody or a lot of people. But I think he he fits in more with Italy. He's coached Inter before. So he knows the the lay of the land. And I think he can he can turn around Roma. I, I don't see them winning the scudetto next year, but I think top four is definitely within their reach. They had one of their better players, Nicolo Zaniolo. He was out all year with the ACL injury. So they get him back next year, getting a couple Mourinho signings. I think they can they can challenge top four, especially this year. It's been wide open. There's we just went over the race for for four teams fighting for two spots or three spots. So I think they can find themselves back up
0: there next year. Hmm. All right, good to know. We'll see what happens next season, but we're still focused on this season. And moving on to Spain, La Liga is still a mess.
1: Yeah, um, especially after this past weekend. Last weekend, uh, Atletico played Barcelona. That was a nil-nil draw. And Sevilla played Real Madrid, and that was a 2-2 draw. Real got a late goal from from Tony Crow slash deflected off Eason Hazard's foot. Um, so that was debatable who is the goal was given to. But those games ended 2-2. And then in the midweek, Barcelona drew yesterday 3-3. So they dropped some points. And Atletico and Real Madrid won. So it's basically a two-horse race now between Atletico Madrid on 80 points and Real Madrid on 78 points.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... Definitely, Sevilla's um, title challenge has unfortunately gone come to an end. They're six points behind, not to mention goal difference. Um, they did themselves no favors, but ahead of the um, Real Madrid game, losing one zero um, to Athletic Club, and um, with the um, with the Real and with the late Real goal, that kind of um, The right was on the wall, and if not, then definitely the um, loss. to uh, That definitely was kind of the right on the wall. I don't think they'll be able to catch up at this point. And Barcelona, they're in, you know, deep, deep trouble. Um, You know, they had the opportunity to, they had multiple opportunities to get on top. And, you know, they squandered it each time. Uh, First, it was um, the two, three, the, the Granada loss you know, that will put them on top. And then you had um, the, you know, Saturday's game against the Let's Go, you know, one goal will put them on top. And even um, the Levante, you know, they had the earlier game. And, you know, they just keep – they can't get the job done at the finish line. And – which is really, you know, tough to to hear considering how well they were playing, um, you know, throughout the second half of the season. And I don't think a uh, Copa del Rey will be enough to keep Coleman's job. Yeah,
1: I think you're spot on right there. I think it's mostly on the manager. He just isn't quite ready for those big games. He's not ready for, for those big moments to, to kind of win the team over. In um, a possible 12 points this season against Real Madrid and Atletico, Barcelona have gotten one point. So in those big games against the, the other title challengers, they have done nothing. I think they've only been able to score two goals in those four games. So that's just not good enough to get it done. And especially when you're dropping points against Levante, you're, you're losing to Granada. It's just you're going to end up short, and that's how this season's going to end for them. It looked like at one point that the season was lost in the, the first half of the year, and then they came storming back. They won a couple do Rey. They were in good form. All they had to do was beat Granada. They were winning the game in the second half. And then since that moment, the we the also just kind of fallen off. And Atletico have been able to, to steady the ship a little bit. And if they win their last two games, they'll be La Liga champions.
0: Yeah. Um, I would say Atletico definitely had to have the easier schedule um, compared to Real. They play Atletico Club and Villarreal. Um, you know, one who just took out a title contender, and another one who was a Liverpool League finalist. Um, and, uh, with the last, you know, with the last big match that they had against Sevilla, you know, like they, Sevilla had them until the last minute of the game. So I don't see them, you know, and with the big games that they, and with the performances they've been playing in during the big games, it's not been, it's not been going good. I, I've been saying it since the beginning. I think it's
1: athletic to lose and that's, that's how it stands right now.
0: All right, moving on to France. Um, PSG's form—it's—it's um, uh, it's been rough, and it's been continuing into uh, the domestic league in League One. Um, they drew against um, Rennes, um, a two-two tie. Um, again, Mbappe didn't play, and it's giving uh, Leo some extra cushion, um, and. You know, it's starting out with so much promise for PSG. Um, and now it's looking like, you know, it's going to be a very disappointing season. Um, and honestly, coach um, hasn't been the spark that the team has needed at this point. And um, honestly, I don't see, I can't, if I was the owner, I would make a change at the end of the season. Really, already, you would get rid of him,
1: even though that they, he was brought in
0: in, like, January or whatever? this thing about it. You want your team, like, you fired Tuchel, and you brought Postino to, you know, stay the ship to, you know, um, get the best out of the players. I, I don't see him doing that, and, I, and and I think momentum is a very important thing to have. And if you start off on the wrong foot, it's just going to continue into, into next season. If he's not going to get replaced now, I believe, you know, this this form is going to continue and um, he'll get replaced later. So better. It doesn't seem, you know, he can't rise to the big, you know, um, opportunities that, that he has, that he has, you know, against Man City against, um, you know, just trying to catch up to, to Leo, to trying to um, catch up to the gap uh, that he um, got um, in the beginning once he started. And they've been – PG has pretty much been chasing Leo since the, you know, all season. And a team, you know, of this caliber as, you know, may – as like disorganized as it may be, you know, they should still be trying to get the best. And I don't see Pochettino, I don't see a plan for Pochettino. I don't see Pochettino having a plan for next season. And that's the reason why I would, I would replace him. I think you're
1: being just a little bit harsh on him. I think it would be pretty, pretty hard to get rid of him before he even has a transfer window to get some of his players in and get some of the, the deadwood out. But I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think you have to give a little more credit to Leal, just how good they've been this season. They've, oh, definitely, definitely. They, they, that's another team that doesn't have a star on their team. They don't have one or two great players, but they have a lot of solid players around the field. Um, they brought in a couple guys this summer. Jonathan David's been scoring goals for them. Burak Yilmaz got him on a free from Turkey. He scored 15 goals this year for them. He's been huge down the stretch here, pretty much carrying Leal to the, to the league one title. So they're definitely, it's definitely a big upset if they can hold on to this lead, but it's not an upset in the sense that Leo's a really good team. They'll, if they can keep most of their players this summer, if they don't have a fire sale of everybody, they'll be challenging in next year's champions league. Um, Maybe for a quarterfinal, semifinal berth. I think that's how good this team is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this could be the beginning. Um, I also know that Leo has had some financial problems, um, and even going into this this season, and even with a league one title, it might not be enough to you know. They might have to sell some players, and anyway, and that has always been their mo to begin with. Um, you know, replacing um Pepe um with you know just selling big talent for a big project for big you know profits and then you know finding new new talent um so yeah it's really um a credit to them to you know with that model that they have that they're even up in this position and I really hope that they um push through and uh give Timoya another league one title
1: that would be great to see timmy Wea win a win a title. He's maybe not the a crucial performer for them, mm-hmm. especially late in the season, but he he plays enough where he definitely has earned a his championship medal if they yeah. get it
0: mm-hmm. still recovering from from uh, an injury that he had, so slowly getting back into it, but you know hopefully he can finish strong and then um in a real twist in Germany um Byron has won the title four in ninth straight season I wow. could not have predicted that coming no way uh, like shocker um yeah Byron won um nine years in a row um and RP Lesbian gave it a, a, a nice run but their title challenge kind of ended last month um it was only a matter of time before Byron clinched it. Uh, Definitely a weaker Byron team compared to last season. Um, But uh, still able to move on and um, push on. And uh, now they'll have a bunch of new players and also a new coach. Um, And not much I can really say. Credit to Byron for another dominant season.
1: Yeah, the Bundesliga as a whole has just been a, a coaching carousel of one coach's team going to like their next rival's team. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, Bayern are going to have a new coach next year. Their current coach, Hansi Flick, decided that he didn't want to stick around. He he won two Bundesliga. He won the treble last year, and he said, peace, I'm out. I'm going to go take the German national team job. So Bayern went and got the the hottest young coach in, in world soccer, and Julian Nagelsmann, who is the RB Leipzig coach. Um, they paid something ridiculous like $25 million to buy him out of his contract. I think that was the, the reported fee. So RB Leipzig decided to hire American Jesse Marsh from RB Salzburg, RB Salzburg. So we'll have another American manager in the Bundesliga. We have uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo at Stuttgart, Stuttgart. And so we'll have... Jesse Mars next year at Leipzig Um, it'll be great to have more Americans in the in the Bundesliga especially as a coach I think that's that's our next step as a uh, as a soccer country we got to get some more coaches out there in the in the game to to prove that you know we know what we're talking about over here on this side of the Atlantic we know how to talk about soccer you know we might call it soccer but we're still we're still pretty good at it and I think Marsh is at a good spot at Leipzig. He'll, he'll be in the Champions League next year, and he'll show what he can do.
0: Yep, and uh, congrats to Dortmund uh, for winning the DFL Pokal, and congrats to Reina for having a, a, a starring role um, coming off the bench. You know, um, just uh, pretty much that cleanup time because, you know, Sancho and Holland pretty much took care of the game by, like, halftime. Like, literally at halftime, it was like 4-0. And um, just put it it on ice. And now G has ended his first full season at Dortmund with a uh, piece of silverware. season's
1: not quite done yet. they still got two games to go. Still got to win their last couple games to to secure their Champions League spot. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, this was definitely a nice reward for him. He didn't get to play much in the final, but in the semifinal, he got a brace. So, again, he's definitely allowed to celebrate this championship with his teammates. Um, I was sad to see that Tyler Adamson play as his opposite today. He picked up an injury earlier last week and wasn't able to recover in time. So Leipzig just were absolutely outplayed today. It seems like Dortmund have their number. Um, I think they played last weekend and Dortmund won 2-0, if I recall correctly, or 2-1. And this week they they beat them 4-1, so... Dortmund have been struggling this year, but they haven't struggled against Leipzig. They've been able to to handle them quite easily.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, credit to Dortmund for him, um warring back and um, into the because at this point we were talking about like you know they were left with dead, like they weren't able to make it. But you no, know, um and without Holland too, which is definitely surprising, and they'll definitely need him back those last two games um of the season um and it looks like they might be able to pull through um we shall see and even in the crazier top four race um a lot has happened in the Premier League uh first of all uh congrats to Man City for winning the Premier League uh a fourth time a fourth time no I think a third time fair. third I think time in four years I think it was
1: fifth all-time. I think they tied Chelsea for, for most yeah. Premier League titles all-time.
0: Mm-hmm. And congrats to Zach Steffen for a Premier uh, League win. Uh, I think he is the first American to win a Premier League, correct?
1: I believe you're correct in saying that, yes. Certainly the first American who played some meaningful games. There might have been an American to make like a sub-appearance on some random team in like the 50s, but... Zach Steffen actually started games. He started cup games. So, yeah, he's the first actual American to win the Premier League.
0: Yep. And um, just starting back on Saturday, we had Chelsea being Man City 2 1 in Champions League prom preview. I'll be with rotated squads. Um, so, we don't know who's going to be actually playing. Um, City could have iced the, you know, could have won it right there. But, uh, the girl miss and the Chelsea comeback uh, ended things um, kind of related, uh for city until Monday when um, United played Leicester and um, United are in a kind of rough patch right now. They had to play three games in like five days, pretty much. Um, and they just finished uh, today's game against Liverpool and, um, and did not go well for them. Did not go well for them for Leicester or, um, or Liverpool. Um, it was a 1-0 loss to Leicester that gave the title to their to their champions, title to the rivals, and then just got you know smacked um, 2-4 um, by Liverpool, which gave them some much needed, uh, a much needed boost to their top four hopes. And suddenly their grip on second place isn't isn't, too, um, isn't so solid anymore.
1: Yeah, Leicester are sitting third right now with 66 points.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, with 36 games played, Chelsea also played 36 games and are at 64 points. Um, Liverpool are four points behind Chelsea, but they have a game in hand. And West Ham are still there at 58 points with a game in hand, but they're going to need some some luck to go their way if they, they find themselves in top four. It was a good story for most of the season seeing West Ham up there, but I think for the last three, four games, we kind of felt like they were probably going to sh- fall just short of that, that top four barrier. Yeah.
0: yeah it looks like they're fading, unfortunately. Um, and um, so it looks like it's going to be, you know, one team is going to be our man out um, Liverpool, at most, they can get uh 69 points. Uh and then Chelsea at the most can get Chelsea and uh Leicester at most can um Chelsea and most can get 70 points, Leicester can get 72. Um Chelsea made it a little bit harder themselves um by losing against Arsenal. Um, it, was a, it was a rough game, um, started off with a Kai Havard's miss, which he shouldn't have missed from, from that um, on a one-on-one. And then it was a horrible defensive error, which led to a Jorginho horrible, hor- horrible back pass to Kepa, who basically had to save it, um, which would have given an a indirect free kick nearly right at the, right at the line. If you know the uh, Millersville Royal hadn't scored, um, yeah, it was a um, it was it was a, just one of those games with Chelsea. But you know, them and Leicester are have can control their destiny, and um, they do play against each other right after the FA Cup final, which will be on uh, this Saturday. So they play the FA Cup final on the 15th, and they play again on the 18th. And you know, it will be interesting to see. There will be fans in the stadium. Um and one of them will be FA Cup winners. So that will be another factor to consider. Um will the winner uh be caught out or you know, will the loser, you know, not have the energy to, you know, uh get over that hump? You know. Um so downplaying against each other definitely helps Liverpool in that sense, but they still need to pretty much win all the games.
1: Yeah, first, yeah, first and foremost, if you're a Liverpool supporter, they need to win all three of their games, which are doable. They don't have the the hardest schedule down the stretch. You want to try to get to to sixty nine points if you can. Um, and Chelsea used their one mulligan. They had they had a little bit of cushion above Liverpool, and they they used it all. They definitely should have gotten a little more of that game against Arsenal, but they didn't. And now we find ourselves here and they got to find a way to, to dig themselves out They're They've been probably the hottest team in in England the last two, three months. And it would be very disappointing to end the season outside the champions league spots. Um, Their saving grace was that they're in the final of the champions league. So they could still win that and qualify for next year's champions league. But you still want to get that automatic to, uh, per- position. You don't want to have to put it all on that
0: one game and that one final. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, it's going to be a exciting um, top four race um, to see who makes champions league. Um, again, Leicester has a history of fading down the stretch and, um, Pretty much is all that's left for the Premier League at this point. We have all the teams who are relegated, um, RIP to you know Sheffield, uh, West Brom, and Fulham. You know, y'all gave a, a, a real great go, you know, better luck next year, and then we also have the Premier League champions, City. Um, so this is all to, to play for at this point, um, and um sidebar. I will be actually I'll actually be flying uh to England on Sunday. I'll arrive on Monday. And um I will see about going to the Chelsea game. They're gonna be playing at Champ Stanford Bridge. They're gonna be fans. Um my plan is to I won't be able to get in um because um they are limited to only season ticket holders, which I am not because I don't usually you know, fly out to Stanford Bridge just like that. But you know, I will interview some of the some of the fans, um, get their opinions. You know, ask them some questions. How they're feeling. You know, try to get them to say soccer. Um, if all goes well, I get you know if my quarantine checks out. But uh, stay tuned for you know possible special soccer on football episode. That would be dope if you could do that. I didn't, I didn't know you're doing that. That's that's
1: awesome. I wouldn't ask them to say soccer they might punch you in the face they take real offense to that for some reason this if, if you call the game the, a word they created
0: um but yeah that's that's pretty dope that you're gonna be out there and actually so while we're still in america um we have some updates uh from uh the national team we got the nation version original squad drop um no big surprises there. We got the usual young core, um, Pulisic McKinney Adams, Musa, Reyna, Weah, um, Reynolds, Richards, um, Harrison. Yes. Uh and who, who else am I missing from there? Uh, I think you, we just
1: named about seven, eight guys. That's, that's most of our starters. There are our, our super subs off the bench. Um, the list was pretty much, yeah, everyone you would expect. I, don't, I wouldn't say anyone was snubbed. The only like people they really talked about were Michael Bradley and Josie Altador not being on the list, but those guys haven't really been in camps the last year, year and a half anyway. So that wasn't too surprising not to see them on the Nations League list. Um, th- the way that Burhalter and his staff are approaching the Nations League is that's going to be the A team, that's going to be the – all our big guns for we're, we're taking nations league as our big tournament this summer. Cause there's also a gold cup. So the gold Cup's going to be more of our, our B squad, our experimental squad. So those big European guys can get, have some kind of rest during the summer. He doesn't want them playing year round. Wants to give them a break, a chance to get away from soccer, enjoy their families and, recoup and re-energize for the start of next season, which at the, after the start of next season, we're going to be right the World Cup qualifying. So it's going to be kind of a quick turnaround, and he wants to make sure his guys are primed and ready to go.
0: Yeah, he did add another friendly. Um, I believe it was like right after the Nations League to just like try to simulate, you know, what it would be like for qualifying. And um, we do also have the Gold Cup. Um, I don't know if any of our, you know, big players are going to be playing that But um, we do know two of our opponents already, um, Martinique and Canada. And um, it's interesting that we are going to be playing uh, Canada now uh, because there's been a little bit of a rivalry going on. Um, I remember 2019 in Nations League, they, you know, beat us 2-0. A lot of tension was like, oh, we're not going to make it, you know, we're going to Another uh, ball halted failure, uh, obviously in the second, um, obviously in the return leg, we uh, overturned that result and uh, advanced, uh, but Canada has a, has some talent, you know, we obviously have Alfonso Davis and um, John and David and from Leo and also just some nice pieces here and there, um, some hidden gems. Um, do you think um, I can definitely see Canada? Canada has definitely been emerging as a uh contender um in con in con- in CONACAP con- lately. Um do you agree or um or do you think something different, Daniel?
1: They've been emerging in the sense that they've gone from a nation that no one expected anything out of to a nation that some people expect some out of that they've gone from being not even making the, the hex most years. I think the last time they made the hex was 2006. So the last three cycles, they didn't even make it to the final round of world cup qualification. So I think they're definitely getting better. They're definitely improving, but they're not at the level that some of their, their fans think they're at. They have some good players. They have some good talent, but having talented players and having a good team are two different things. Yeah, Alfonso Davies is really good and he's playing at Bayern Munich, but does he really move the needle that much? Like he's a good player. I'm not trying to to say he's not, but I just don't see him as the, you know, your goal-scoring leader in a World Cup qualifying campaign or your, your leader to get you through those tough road games in Honduras or Costa Rica or whatever. I just, I don't think they have the depth right now. They don't have the depth. They don't have the experience. Uh, maybe they're building something. So maybe this is just the start for them. Maybe in four years, maybe in eight years, maybe in a couple of cycles from now they'll they'll be more more improved and maybe actually wanting to qualify for the world cup instead of just being happy to be in the final round of qualification. I think that's the next step for Canada to get some stability of being good before they try to be great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I uh, think, you know, I think you're right. And, um, I do have to just give credit for, you know, canvas development to the team that we do have to just watch out for, you know, it's not just like, Oh, Mexico, and Trinidad turn that into Vegas. <laughs> um, but you know, um, I think more competition would serve as well um, in in the hex, and being able to consistently beat our rivals. is always a, is always a good thing and always a confidence booster um, because um, I was talking to, you know, um, a group of guys that I play soccer with and it was like telling them like, Oh, you know, we got this great team, you know, like can y'all be Mexico first? And they're, they got a point, we need to be back to first. And that's uh what Canada has to do. They need to be like the teams that are on their level before going to the big dogs. You know, I think, you know, again, sometimes I get ahead of myself, it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sweep 2022. Why wait for 2026? But you know, it's all, all about baby steps. You know, we just beat a team in Europe for the first time in like years uh recently. So it's all about like you know taking those steps. And slowly, slowly we're getting there. Slowly we're there.
1: Yeah, I think the the Gold Cup will be interesting this summer. It won't be our our strong guys, but I think we might see some some young guys make it out there, some some 17, 18-year-olds eight year from MLS or some other emerging guys from around Europe who might not otherwise get a, a chance to get a ton of minutes because they're behind uh, Sergino Dest or they're behind Christian Pulisic, that. And the Gold Cup, they'll get an opportunity to, to play and maybe they shine and maybe they become part of this next cycle for us. Because yeah. we're still kind of filling out the, the edges of our roster. We got maybe our our 10 to, to 15 guys pretty much locked in. But those those other 7, 10 guys are fighting for their places and the Gold Cup will be a good chance for them to, to prove to Burhalter that they deserve it.
0: Exactly. We got a very interesting summer ahead of, ahead of y'all. Um, I'll be gone most of the summer, but you know, soccer, non-football will still be continuing. Um, sometimes, you know, me and Daniel will still record. Sometimes I'll just do like a solo podcast. Sometimes Daniel might do a solo podcast and you really just shift our focus on, you know, what, uh, is going on right now. You know, some MLS news, uh, Uh, European news, um, some U.S. news, but, you know, we'll make sure to uh, cover it uh, along the way. You know, we're not going anywhere, so y'all better stay tuned. I just want to make sure that
1: Della doesn't replace me with some some British guy as his new co-host.
0: As long as he doesn't do that, I'm okay with it. You better not replace me with some, you know, with one of your MLS friends, you know. And then they're going to turn it into talking about how Real Salt Lake might come back or, you know, how what, what else? Or, or you know, uh, maybe this year is San Jose's year. year when knowing Dan is not going to be San Jose's year.
1: The Quakes are going to win it this year, bro. I, I'm They're going to win it. KCAL is going to lead them to an MLS Cup champion. Wanda's is going to score like 10 goals in the playoffs this year. It's, it's coming home,
0: baby. It's coming home. Anyway, um, do you have a MLS game of the week?
1: Oh, crap, I don't for this week because there were some midweek games. Um, my my game was actually going to be San Jose Seattle, which was on last night. That one was kind of a stinker. Um, if you there's another Seattle LAFC this weekend, I think I already said to to watch them. They're playing already for a second time this season, which seems kind of Kind of a lot for this early in the season. Um, I don't know why they're already playing for a second time, but here we find ourselves. Um, but I'll say watch. Yeah, watch that game. Watch Seattle LAFC. That's probably the best game of the week. So it's round two. Hopefully Carlos Velo will be back for this game. Uh Seattle has Nico Ladero back, who's probably their best player. And that's my game of the week.
0: All right, sounds good. We will end it right here. Um and uh, until the next soccer not football. This is Stella signing off. Take this is care, Daniel. This we'll is catch, Daniel. You yeah, catch you guys next time.